Welcome, everyone. This Welcome. is <laughs> the Left Gospel Field. Tracks. Okay. Okay, this is the Left Field Podcast. Why is there always a song? You always have a song. It's so annoying. But you don't remember gospel tracks. You don't remember that intro. No, I don't. I have no idea what gospel tracks is. And I have, I was definitely raised up in the church. I've never heard gospel tracks in my, anyway, we're getting um, sidetracked. Hello, all. This is the Left Field Podcast. I'm Kristen. I'm Lauren. And um, we're here to give you what you need in your life. As it pertains to being a professional or entrepreneurial woman of color in the workplace, in life, all that. So we're going to talk about a few things today. Ain't that right, girl? A few. We're going to talk about Charlottesville, obviously. There's really no way that we can have a podcast today um, and not be talking about what's going on in Charlottesville. Um, And then we're just going to talk about, girl, just how it spills over into life, particularly Mm -hmm. into the workplace. And... I'm yeah. interested in talking about how it normalizes these type of this type of action, like how the slow normalization of these things has now white supremacy, started, yeah, to explode. So, um, let's go ahead and get started. All let's right. talk about uh, Charlottesville. So, Lauren, you wanted to talk about you actually thought about talking about Charlottesville, and I was telling you just a second ago that. Um, this happened on Friday night. Um, mm-hmm. Riot started on Friday night. Started on Friday night. Um, and I was kind of in a cocoon. I was in full event prep mode. Hadn't been yeah. checking my phone or anything. And then I'm posting pictures about my event. And I see all this craziness going on. Yeah. So how did you first find out about what was going on? Social media? Um, I'm pretty sure it was social media. Or... You know how on your phone, like the iPhone has started like giving you news feeds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it was either social media or news feeds. And to be quite honest, I kind of was just like, I glazed over it. Because mm-hmm. like, how many times does like some kind of trigger triggering shit happen? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, where I've, and I, I feel like I've gotten to a point where a lot of stuff, I just, I'm like, nope, not, not engaging on that today. Like not going to, not going to have my day ruined. So I saw it and I kind of was just like, oh, I see white men, uh, <laughs> white men marching because they got so much to march for right now. Right. Um, and I was just like, whatever, bye girl. Mm-hmm. And I kept moving. And then on Saturday, um, I'm in a group chat with some girlfriends from school, from grad school. Mm-hmm. And one of the girls was just like, you know, I don't know if I can make this event because I just don't have the energy to talk about like Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I know it's going to come up. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Like Charlottesville, like I saw something happen about it. But is it like really a national conversation? Like, mm-hmm. should I really at this be engaged? Point, you're used to um, white folks acting a damn fool. Right. It's become so, something that's commonplace. They're not ashamed to do it. So seeing it especially on your not like, today's, eh. yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking especially about. It's like, not. eh, today. Right. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. All so right. you talk to this girl, and she's like, Yeah, no. so then I was like, you know what? Let me read more into it. And by that point, like, the violence had escalated from the rioters, the mm-hmm. white supremacist rioters. And so um, they had returned to UVA that Saturday with like basically riot gear with like helmets, batons, um, shields, like some of them had, uh, was openly carrying weapons Mm -hmm. and they were like going on their like second March. 
mm-hmm. um, and violence had escalated, and and I kept like, and that's when I kind of was just like, wait, this is this is actually something more. Maybe I should engage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I started to just like follow it more closely. And then as it progressed, you saw that like someone ran uh, one of the white supremacist terrorists ran his car in between um, in the anti-protesters ran, ran into the uh, anti-protesters, killing mm-hmm. one woman and injuring 19 others, I believe. The anti-white supremacist protesters. Anti-white supremacist protesters, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. A white supremacist terrorist ran his car into a counter-protest against Mm -hmm. white supremacy. Mm -hmm. Um, And like four or five people were in critical condition. Mm -hmm. Um, And then later after that, the helicopter that was monitoring the protests... um, the like riots and the anti supremacist protests, mm-hmm. that helicopter crashed and like those two pilots died. Um, Girl, what? I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happened? Uh, the I, we don't know how they crashed, but the the helicopter, the like uh, the helicopter, the official like police uh, helicopter that was monitoring the incidents because the governor had called a state of emergency. And so they were monitoring and like, I guess trying to identify where like pockets of violence were uh, mm-hmm. spurting up that helicopter crash and the two pilots died. What the hell? How'd that happen? Yeah. We don't, I don't know. I haven't, we, I don't, we don't know how it happened. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, and so you just, you just get all this craziness, but you know, it's just amazing how all of the white supremacists who went out in March, they all went home, you know, no one, no one was shot by the police. And like, you see a lot of reports where, um, from a lot of people's perspectives, like the police were protecting the protesters, mm-hmm. uh, the white supremacist protesters. Um, and, you know, you saw the president remark, the president's remarks where apparently there's violence on both sides and both sides have to come together although one side are neo-nazis right and proclaimed white supremacists but you know and one side ran its car through the vehicle but both sides you know need to come together to a conclusion right (laughs) what i think is most scary about this these type of situations is not the violence because i mean we've been getting killed for centuries you know right um so like I said, normalization. But the scariest part is that they are starting to take our our rhetoric and apply it to their head. Girl. And that is the scariest part because at that time they can say, well, black people are protesting and they've gotten violent before and so why can't we do it? Or, you know, just other things like mm-hmm. that. Other ways that they're trying to align themselves with marginalized populations. Or the rhetoric, right? Like yes, the, they were yeah, chanting. Yes, the rhetoric. Girl, yeah, girl, they were chanting "White Lives Matter" and "Blood and Soil," like which is a <laughs> Nazi Hitlerism. <laughs> like, how you chanting "White Lives Matter" and some Hitler <laughs> Hitler shit? Like, it's it's just very it's very scary. The scariest uh-huh. part is that they're trying to steal our own rhetoric and use it against us. But, but the problem like, is that they don't have the... Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say the problem is that they don't have the backup. <laughs> they don't have the history of oppression that these other populations have. You know what I'm saying? 
Right. No, they don't have that history. Um, That's the the scariest part to me. um, Also, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, I also find myself, what's also scary is that I find myself sounding like a white person. I find myself sometimes, I I don't want to say a white person because that's very racist, so I apologize for that, but I find myself sounding like a racist white person. That's very prejudicial. Yes. Not racist, very prejudicial. Okay, very prejudicial, okay. (laughs) Um, Like, for example, I was at Starbucks the other day, and I, uh, this this white man in like a button-up shirt and a backpack, like looking like a, you know, a, a Yale grad, randomly comes up to these two black women who are sitting outside and are like, how are my customers doing? Just smiling, looking like a real psychopath, okay? And I'm and the women are like, like, what? They're like, they think that he's a crazy person. So they're like not, uh-huh. un, they're not, you know, acknowledging him. And right. he's like, no, I work here. You know, how are my customers doing? And he's being, he's being nice, but he's, he's doing it in a very weird way. And immediately I thought to myself, look, white man, you can't be coming around here with a backpack um and acting weird because those are the white men that pull out weapons and shoot people you know for no for no reason but then i realized like is that also what they're doing to us like when they see a black man in a hoodie like no offense uh bro but people that look like you be shooting up schools and movie theaters and churches but i mean is that the same thing that we're doing was that the same did i do the same thing to this white man what do you think I don't know. I think that's hard. I, I think it goes back to the whole conversation of like, is was it prejudicial or was it discriminatory in a sense? Yeah. I looked at him and I said, he's a white man with a backpack who's, who's and he's acting strangely. Yeah. He's acting <laughs> weird. So yeah. people like I mean, you shoot up stuff. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, I think that it is different because it's not a history, a long history of um oppression on his side and also i mean there's the no history to... it's not a it's not a not long history there's right. a non-existent history <laughs> it's a no white history <laughs> they have zero history of being like you're a white man right i'm afraid yeah. let's run yeah yeah that's true so i guess this is the start of that history um but i also <laughs> think that me you just black... started it you just started <laughs> right history. i started the history of oppression of white men i did it um but I think that they all, it, the difference is also that the system of power is not in agreement with my prejudice, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. You know what I mean? Like there are not systems built to um, to, to 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 put oppression against these people. Oppress you know, like white men with backpacks. Right. There's dress codes that say you can't wear saggy jeans, or dress codes that say you can't wear you know baggy t-shirts, stuff like that. Stuff that was part of black culture at one time. Not because we were freaking hoodlums, but just because that's how we dressed. And people because, looked at us. Yeah. People looked at Go us ahead. and said, "You look like a criminal, so you can't wear that. We don't want people in here wearing that. Ain't no law mm-hmm. against white men with backpacks. And Ain't nuts. no law against." <laughs> Y'all be killing side folks note. for sure, for real though. Side I, I, note, side note. What the white supremacist marchers or protesters? Don't, they don't use say tiki it. torches. No. <laughs> oh, don't say it. Don't they say it. Did you torches. see? Um, it's not Gary Owens, and this this is being uh, also prejudicial on my part. It's another white man 
a comedian who is like popular in black know. culture. I can't remember his I name. Know. All I know was, is Gary. Yeah, okay, it wasn't Gary though. It's another one. And he was talking <laughs> about like he had a video and he was saying like these white college prep kids. They went out and got tiki torches that they got from Home Depot. These college, these coffee drink. It was so funny. I'm gonna post it on our on our page because it was it was just hilarious and it really summed up like the ridiculousness of these people. Pro- like, like, what are they, you protesting against what are you, exactly? Like, were you gonna get tea lights to like line them Come through on. your um <laughs> your route? Your it was like, don't you have a toga party to be at? Like, try to get to second like, base with a girl. It's a Friday night and you out protesting. You ain't getting and no, was, no ass. And then, like, just the history of the tiki torches and how they're used to um, worship, like, what is it, Polynesian gods? Uh, oh, like, shit, this, the girl. origin you, of them. You dropping knowledge, girl. I mean, I knew they I had believe them in, that. Like, I mean, South but, Pacific, like, yeah, like, but girl. But yeah, because, like, you, that, you are literally using relics and inventions from another, a, a different culture to protest, to protest test against your claimed uh, grievances like what are they by the way what are the grievances that they have you know white people are being replaced the the white lives need to matter these days they don't matter anymore um, um, which is really uh, colloquial. White men are not being discriminated. White men are being discriminated against Um, what else they got I don't know I mean it's all foolishness but but you know, somebody somewhere is going to be like, well, we need to listen to them. We need to hear yeah. their demands. We need to engage <laughs> in conversation because that's yeah. how we move forward as a country. You know that those, there are those white people and the, a few others out there. It's just so scary to me that it sounds so much like. And you got to go to work in the morning. Like, you got to go to work in the morning with all these either. The people who are like, yeah, those are my brethren and damn right. Or the people who are like, I don't know them. Like, I'm not one of them. But those are your cousins and you haven't gone and gathered your cousins yet. But it's not your fault, yeah. girl, right? It's not your yeah. responsibility. It's just, right. Girl, I'm glad I don't have to go to work tomorrow. I work from home tomorrow. And then I'm off on Tuesday. <laughs> so I don't have you. to deal with this. But I, but I know that, especially, okay. So moving to the South. I always expect, and this is also prejudice on my part, based on my discriminatory. Wait, can I, you, I don't know what you're saying is prejudice or discriminatory, but uh, keep going. It's biased for sure. Okay. Based on the the interactions that I've had with a few white people, I have now become, I have now generalized it. And I don't think that that's Mm -hmm. a good thing. Um, So I expect... For somebody to say something crazy now when I lived in Michigan like in the Midwest I would be shocked but now I'm like expecting it some crazy like what some crazy like I just know you're gonna say some racist shit I'm I'm trying not to cuss on the podcast now but I just know you're gonna say something racist I know that I'm gonna walk in and I'm gonna hear a conversation like the one you just said well you know we should really listen to them and really try to understand (laughs) their demands because you know they are they they do have a voice in this country like didn't we have a war about this like didn't we decide that Nazis were bad (laughs) <laughs> like and now all of a sudden we want to give them I think we voices. had two wars <laughs> like there was a civil war <laughs> there was world war two like yeah all them, sh- all them shits like 
didn't we but, talk about this guys and like you made us you have systematically made us hate russia whenever we hear a russian um uh accent on tv you assume they're a bad guy right or a model or a monster <laughs> or something like that and that's just because they were communists and we seriously have we've we've put that rhetoric into society and now people are, are saying let's well, listen to them let's let's talk it out and that's what i'm worried about that's something crazy well um, i think that they would say i don't i don't think that is new though like i think it's always been the same i think there's always been apologists and people who think that if we could just talk things out never mind the fact that like we're being killed if we just wait out i mean I, that goes back to why people supported mlk versus um Malcolm X, is they were like, oh, his Malcolm X's uh, method is so abrupt and it's so violent. Like, let's why just... white people supported him? Is that yeah. what you said? Or people? Yeah, why oh. white people? Or a lot of people, even some black people. Um, supported yeah, the black whole, people supported like... <laughs> Martin Luther King. Yeah, yeah, but it's a why people were just like, let's go the route of let's talk it out. Let's give it some time. You can't just change things overnight. Mm -hmm. And like, you still hear that. You still hear that. Let's figure out why so many people felt a certain way. And so they voted that way, despite the hateful rhetoric that came out of this candidate's mouth. Let's, let's really try to understand them. You know how many times I went to work and had people tell me, well, like they had valid reasons. Like you can say what you want, but like, these people had real economic concerns. Sorry. These people had real economic concerns. Or, you know, like, and that's why I'm just like, I can't even with work tomorrow. Like, I would like either to people clarify. aren't going to address it. Go ahead. Clarify. What Before you, you move on. So this conversation that you said about, let's talk it out and let's do that. Are you saying that that was Martin Luther King's stance and that we should just... Like, no, you I'm think saying that that, that was, was like the like the white supporters' oh, okay. stance of like okay. why they okay. supported okay. a Martin Luther King versus Malcolm X because Martin Luther King's rhetoric was um, less more scary, passive, less, less confrontational scary to them, less confrontational, yeah. and also involved like talking no violence. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm it's sorry. My, let's not Malcolm say less X confrontational. Is. Let's say less violent. And also, can we talk about? I mean, this could be a whole other podcast episode, but I really feel as though um, they did the same thing. The powers that be, the man did the same thing with the Black Panther Party. I think that oh, yeah. even as black people, we think of the Black Panthers and Malcolm X as niggas who would be like, look, I'm popping off on anybody who I see. These white folks are not necessary. Come right. <laughs> like they just walking around with guns just to be intimidating. Pop, you know pop, what I mean? Pow. And the same thing that they did to the Black Panther Party is what they have done to Black Lives Matter. Like, the Black oh, Panther yeah. Party was not no, you know, militant in the sense of violent. Like, that was a, that was a subsection. Niggas who were just going, oh, damn it, I don't want to say the N-word. People who were just going off. You know what I mean? For yeah. just, just wanted to be violent and just kill white people. But that's not what the Panthers were doing. Like, those pictures that you see of the Panthers carrying guns, like... That's because nobody was protecting their neighborhoods. Right. <laughs> so they had to do it themselves. Right. These folks had, you know, school programs. But my point of saying that is that the man has systematically instilled not only in white folks, but also in black people, 
that the Panthers were these scary terrorists or like, yeah. you know, people like that. And I don't think that was true. Anyway. Aggressors. They were aggressors of violence. Right. No, we're not aggressors. Mm-hmm. We're just not going to be passive if somebody comes for us. Right. But we're not going right. to turn that's, the other cheek. That's exactly what they're attempting to do with the Black Lives Matter. It's like I was on Facebook today and I was looking at one of my uh, coworkers who's a white man. Uh, he had posted something. Like did you say who was the white man, or did you no, say who's a white man? Who's a white man? He's the white man in general. All of them is the white man. He's, okay, all, go ahead. he's the white man. Go ahead. He's no, a white he's man. A white, what do you say? And he posted something in tribute to the fallen pilots who died um, from Charlotte, Charlottesville, and mm-hmm. how like it's um, rhetoric, like from the White House and from other places, has led. Um, led us to a place that's hateful or mm-hmm. has like culminated in this place not like because it was hate existed before this administration and it'll continue after right 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 um, but it's given like, a I place was, and a voice right and it said and, it's okay mm-hmm. right and so I was listening I was reading his comments because uh, he's from the south he's from he's either North Carolina I think he's from North Carolina so he says a lot of southern roots right mm-hmm. and so I was li- reading the comments to his post and oh it was God. just like ridiculous it was just like how dare you blame this on my president you leave my president alone <laughs> Barack don't Obama say my was president <laughs> no, don't do the accent please how it's dare like, you Barack blame Obama this on my- <laughs> was the worst president in the history of the U.S. and so that's what I like to talk about <laughs> What the hell does Barack Obama have? Did this man say anything about Barack in his in his status? Nothing, not okay. A single so they just word. decided to bring him up to compare yes. him to Trump and Black Poor Lives Matter. And they was like, "Do you support Black Lives Matter, huh? Or the Soros Foundation?" <laughs> it's like, but like that's what, like that is the thinking. Like, and so when people are like, "We just need to talk to them and listen to them," I'm like, there is no reasoning with white supremacy. There is no, no reasoning with neo-Nazis or no. the KKK. You do no. not reason with people who do not see humanity and your worth as a human being. Yeah, because there's nowhere for you to stand on a common ground because what, they're what? already looking at you as less than. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And mm-hmm. like, I, it just kills me. And And the fact that like, I don't know, what really upsets me is like white liberals who believe that like they can just tweet out their support without doing mm. any real work in their family. Yeah. Like and their family and my their family. Yeah. And their friend circles and their community mm-hmm. circles. Like mm-hmm. it's not my family who's out there marching with Tiki torches right now. Right. It's not. And as much as they want to talk about black on black crime and you, the black communities get this sh- together. Okay. America, you need to get your together. White America. Because yeah. um, it is not my kinfolk who is out there talking about white lives matter. Mm-hmm. And we need to take back our country. Take back our country. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the Native Americans are thinking right now. Like the Native Americans <laughs> and the Mexicans. Like, I wonder what they're thinking to themselves. Like, Trey, like Mex- this our country. This here our country. This is our land. This is our land. This is How you going to take back something that you stole? Oh, and you know what's really funny is looking at like the white supremacist, uh, white supremacist terrorists who marched yesterday, um, looking at their names and being like, there is no way your family 
is from this country. Like your family were immigrants. And, yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah. you come from immigrants. How is this your country, yeah. bruh? How? Houseway. How? But you know what? I think it's like I think it's like when you like when you're a cheater. Like when you know you ain't you ain't ish and you've been cheating on all your boyfriends your whole life and then <laughs> like you get one and you don't want him to do the same thing to you so you start acting crazy and it's like sir you know what's about to happen because you did it yourself so you're afraid of somebody doing to you what you've been doing to other people everybody as you should be <laughs> as you should be i tell all my hoes break it up <laughs> like back it up <laughs> Break it down. That is now my see, answer. Like, this is what up, I love. Up, I saw a lady the other day that had a shirt on that said Coretta and Cardi B. And I feel like that really sums up <laughs> myself and a lot of people that I know. Like, yeah, we can sit up here and talk about how the white man has systematically oppressed and changed the rhetoric of the Black Panther Party. We can talk about that all day, but I can also quote Yo Gotti. You know what? And but, Bodak Yellow. And Bodak. <sighs> anyway. So. Yeah, anyway, anyway so, I'm just I'm just not prepared for work. Like, because you know mm. what? I don't know what's gonna make me more upset. Like people not addressing it or people addressing it, like and me having to engage in the conversation. Or people yeah. being like, Oh, like it like I don't know what makes me so upset. And like I got this like real passive aggressive email from my manager um last week before I left. So I'm already on like like on alert. okay. On alert. Like I'm already like you like sent this passive aggressive email that has some like coded language in there that uh-huh. I don't think is used for other employees. Like I'm the only woman Ooh, of color what was the coded in my language, entire girl? What was the coded language? Oh, what was she it? was just like, oh, she was just like, use words like aggressive, like you're aggressive mm-hmm. and um, confrontational mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And, but you know, what kills me is that like, um, she was shadowing my work the other the, over the past week and like mm-hmm. during her shadows like her verbal feedback to me during the sessions and after the sessions was, oh you're doing a great job like mm-hmm. I agree with all your decisions like really keep up the good work and then she sends this email that does not reflect anything that she, she said to me right were you the only person cc'd on the email yeah See, that's uh, her documenting proof because you can always exactly. go back and say, exactly. she shadowed me, she said it was great. First of uh, all, oh. she's, a, she's a bad manager because she's scared to tell you what she really feels. Either and, that or she's trying to set you up for failure. And that's why I just like, I didn't, she sent it to me at the end of the day on Friday. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to respond Scary to this. Ass. I'm going to wait till Monday. And then I'm going to say exactly those things. Like, you shadowed me, and this is the verbal feedback that you gave yes, me. Yes, yes. And this is what you told me. So help me to understand if this is what, this, if this is the improvements you think I should be making, mm-hmm. why aren't you giving me that feedback at the time where I can make it and incorporate it? Like, how are you telling me this after a week of shadowing me and being like, oh, you need to work on this? Yeah. Give me an example. And like I, I just, I was just like, oh, yeah. And, I, and I, I couldn't imagine her using the same rhetoric for someone else. a white, for the white males who go off the deep end with the things they say. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. but, but, but yeah. you're aggressive, so, right? Documented but you know, I do aggressive. documented aggression, and that's what kills uh-huh. me. But you know what? I do remember the first ever internship I had. 
um, I had a black manager and I was real young. I, it, mm-hmm. I hadn't even reached college yet. Oh, snap. I had college. an internship. If I forgot. We talked about you all over. <laughs> you anyway. Set up for success. Anyway, so my uh, my manager, her name was Don Williams. And she was this bomb-ass black woman. And she was tough. Like, she was tough. I love And I was like just that. like, yeah. And I was like, oh, dang. Like, she's so mean. Like, or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, like, real young. Mm-hmm. And she told me, she was just like, when you get out there, like, yep. when yep. you get any other boss, like, you think they're going to be honest with you and up front? Mm-hmm. You think they're going to really tell you what you need to succeed yeah. or help you? No, they're going to sit and watch you do, watch you make whatever mistakes you make or whatever. And then they're going to wait to review time. Yep. And say everything they really thought. Yep. I love that. When you have a mean boss, but they're mean because they are trying to make you better. Yeah. I like people like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like. She was right. And I. She oh she was completely right oh my gosh she was completely right and she's I said, a black and I woman watched it. yeah she was a black woman yeah she was trying to set you up for success <laughs> yeah she was and I've remembered her feedback like over the last ten years I think I was like sixteen seventeen and I like mm. see it time and time again where I have managers where I'm like I'm ask I I will ask you for feedback or you will sit over six weeks of meetings and tell me I'm on the right track I'm doing good I'm doing good and mm-hmm. then. You will pop up and be like, oh, my gosh, Lauren, this is a problem. Like, what is happening? We need to create a plan repeatedly. And I'm like, how is it a problem when we've sat in weekly meetings and you told me I'm exceeding expectations? Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what is the disconnect? Mm-hmm. Regardless of at what time you decided to tell me that it was good and it was bad, there's clearly a disconnect between your verbal feedback and yes. what I'm getting you know, documented or what I'm getting through email. Yes. So let's try to figure out what that disconnect is. Because then she can't come and Clearly. say like, oh, well, I never said that. Or, well, it doesn't matter when I'm telling you something. I'm telling it to you now and as your manager, blah, blah, blah. Because the, right. the bottom line is that there's disconnect. She's telling you one thing. And then regardless of what time she's telling you something else, she's telling you something opposite. Exactly. So, lady, decide what it is that you want from me. Because I can't meet your expectations if you don't even know what they are. I cannot meet your expectations. Articulate them com- to me. Mm-hmm. exactly and like right. don't use coded language like i'm just like and i don't yeah. i'm just like i don't I, I i don't i'm just so sensitive to it because mm-hmm. i am the only person of color in my entire section are you serious yes and there's the only, only two people of color in my in the mission like uh, uh, in the state department and my at my consulate they're, now I know that the people who work with you aren't from Mexico, but like they got, they don't have no people of color. Like in so, there are the Mexico? Mexican national. Uh, there are Mexicans who work for us on the local side, right? And then there are the Americans. Of the Americans in my entire section, we are the largest section. We make up wow. over eighty percent of the consulate. I am the only one. Wow. Only person only person and so like mm-hmm. don't get don't like and especially i see oh my gosh i see my colleagues do all sorts of stuff and it's cool and i'm like it's not my business like i'm not their manager they're not my room right you do what like, you doesn't want matter. you don't do hold you want. me to no double standard but don't hold me to no Morgan, double standard don't ashley sarah i and like and i don't know it's just so annoying it's so tired being the only person Especially. of color 
it, and it like, really <laughs> is and like i'm not i'm not even the only person of color in my workplace there are um two other black women that work in my in my branch but it's much different from coming to the nonprofit community based side to the federal government because community based nonprofits whole bunch of people of color whole bunch of people of color whole bunch of women in leadership positions but when you get to the feds it's very opaque it's not colorful at all it's very male um, and there's something definitely about that because a lot of the nonprofit people they they're they're into the work because of the feeling they're tied to the communities mm-hmm. or they are you know they want to give back somehow to the people and the people who are working in the feds are scientists, MBAs, right. you know they've taken those STEM routes, doctors. Oh my gosh, lots of medical professionals. So there's something systematic about that. Um, yeah. I'd like to continue this conversation, but I also want to get to our segments. Sweet. Would you like to progress to that this time? If I said no, would we like what would be the option? We would still I was like, continue no. to progress at this time, but then we could, you know, <laughs> continue our conversation after. You know, I ain't doing nothing today. It's real early where you at. Anyway, so let us start with our Women Crush Wednesday, shall we? So Let's... our Women Crush Wednesday for this episode is Tiffany Latrice. She is the founder uh, and executive director of Tila Studios in East Point, Georgia, which is right outside of Atlanta. Um, what it like basically is Atlanta, but anyway. Um, she is a young black millennial woman. She started Tila um, in December she had been thinking about the idea for four years and she decided to move on it she went to a business class took an eight-week course to develop a business plan and went to rent a space when she found the man that um owned the space he told her you know somebody else is already here they've already put down ten thousand dollars to get the space you know but look if you can um host a fundraising event, raise the money to get the place. In the next three weeks, I'll give it to you. So she started with absolutely nothing. She had no business name. She had no um, money. She had no logo. She wasn't even incorporated yet. And she put together uh, an art showing and an art show. Tons of people came out and she was able to raise all the money that she needed and she started an art studio, hand painted it herself, wow. pulled up the carpet herself. Um, and not only is she like an amazing entrepreneur, but mm-hmm. she is also she was also just really great. She's also a very hard worker. When we showed up to do the event yesterday, she was moving tables, she was hanging up pictures. She it, it, it was like it was her event too. And mm-hmm. so I really appreciated that and I think that she's doing amazing things. For those who don't know, East Point is a predominantly black neighborhood. There are no art studios anywhere around um and what she really wants to do is bring art back to the community. And I think that what she's doing is awesome. Um so yeah, that's our Women Crush Wednesday. Awesome. Um, so I'll put up her information. It's on my Instagram page, but I'll put it up on ours as well, so you can. So can you tell that. us a bit more about this event? Like, <gasps> shouts out to Tila, I but I want to know more about to. this event. Yes, girl. So I hosted a professional branding workshop yesterday, um, and we talked mostly about job hunt strategies. Well, I guess more about how 
people can hunt for you instead of you hunting for jobs. So we went over the applicant tracking system and how it's basically created to weed out 75% of the applicants. It's it's geared to take you out of the pot of resumes. Um, so I gave them tips on key terms and keywords and, you know, basically how to make their resume applicant tracking system proof, um, which is very, very simple to do. People are paying people to do their resumes. Girl, don't do that. Come to my workshop. Anyway, we talked about that. We talked about um, SEO strategies for LinkedIn pages um, so that you are more easily recruited and people can find you um, quickly if you're looking for a job. And then we talked about creating an elevator pitch. Um, I gave them a template so that they could create theirs. Um, You know, businesses often have elevator pitches so that they can... You know, explain what their business is about and network and stuff like that. But I think you should also have one for your career that just tells who you are, what you do best, what you want to do, and who you do it for. So we went through those things. We had vendors. We had sponsors. We had some undergrad students that were able to come for free because of the sponsorship. Um, I did not think that I was going to sell out tickets, but I ended up selling out. Um, so that's awesome. And I was able to give away some seats to the to some undergrad girls. So I think that was great. And they were all black women working in public health and attendance. So it was awesome. And all the vendors and sponsors were black owned businesses, mostly female black owned businesses, which um, was great. I like to be able to, you know, give our community the kudos they deserve and give more brand awareness to certain organizations that, that wouldn't is have it so otherwise. Amazing. So I would just like to talk about how amazing you are because please do when we first started, (laughs) (laughs) when we first started the podcast, you were in Tampa and you were hosting, um, you were like, I'm trying to get this all together, trying to work it out. And then you, you were establishing yourself there. Yeah, you did your, you were doing events there. And then you up and moved to Atlanta and like you are already within how many months have you been in Atlanta? Three. Six girl. Six. Have you been here six? Child. I've been here six months. I feel like time flies. But still, within six months, you are selling out professional workshops. Like you're already establishing your brand and like creating value. That's just amazing. That you are amazing. Why, thank you. I try. Um, but really, a lot of my motivation comes from you. And you know this because I always talk about how when you say that you're going to do something, like the world better watch out because you're going to do it. Like you have started multiple businesses. You have had multiple. And not just about what you've been able to do, but because I know the story behind it and the struggles that you've had to make it happen and the the anxiety and like maybe a little bit of fear that it's not going to work out and you've pushed past that. So when I want to give up and think to, like there are several times when I almost was like, fuck that, forget this. I'm not doing this dang on workshop. It's too much work. <laughs> I was like, what would Lauren say? She would well, say, don't I, be a little punk and just go for don't it. Don't be a little punk. I don't know. I just, I think... I really thank God for having truly phenomenal women in my corner who mm-hmm. like inspire me and are not basic. Like you guys are literally the definition of not basic, like some bosses. Yeah. You guys, you are like, I'm truly surrounded by boss oh, yeah. friends who mm-hmm. like make things happen. And mm-hmm. I don't like, I meet other women or other people and they're just like, 
Basically. Oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, my friends are cool. And I'm like, oh, what? I don't get it. Like, I'm only surrounded by phenomenal awesome. women who yeah, are doing My friends make me feel inadequate things. and also raise me up every day. Every like, I think day. About, <laughs> why am I and not I'm, like her? And then she's like, girl, you can't be. Go do this. Like, right, I right. am always <laughs> just like, man, like, I am yeah. never, I am never the top of my, I am never at the top of my pack. With my friends. Oh, yeah, I'm no, never like no. it's always somebody else. It's always, always like, someone that's good edging though, you know and what pushing I mean? like, us. Yeah, you need that in your life. You don't want to be the one that's always doing and like I don't even think there is one person. I think it like cycles. It does. It's, it's not just one person. All, like, yeah, like everybody's doing something amazing. You know what I mean? Everyone's great. pushing each other. So I'm just I'm just grateful for friends like you. Sure. I'm grateful for you too, you little mush master. You just want to squeeze mush masters. Okay, okay. <laughs> let us continue on to get my life. So I know what my get my life is, girl. What does it go for? It? <sighs> so wait, I don't you have to update it on your last week, which was what? It was updating your resume. It's been updating your resume for light years now. No, it wasn't my resume. It was my LinkedIn. Okay, LinkedIn is still my your resume, shoddy. Okay. LinkedIn okay. is your online resume. Um, well, then let's talk about let's talk about that at the next episode. I'd like to delve into <laughs> the differences between resumes and LinkedIn pages. But okay. I would like to say that I have done the big thing. So uh, the recruitment factor, even though I'm not looking for a job right now, the recruitment factor has definitely been upped. So being ch- doing little small things like um, increasing my network for real because I had like a hundred people. And now I have a lot more. So I definitely had to do that. And then I was also able to update my summary and my headline um, so that I could um, be more easily recruited if I wanted to, or at least just be a good example for the people that I'm telling to do it because it'll work for them. So that part was done. Um, There's still more that I could do. I think that my LinkedIn page could definitely be utilized more, but I think I've done what I need to do for for right now. Um, But for this episode, my get my life is to... um, let me try to make it specific and measurable. Um, in order to increase my brand awareness and show myself as more credible as an entrepreneur, I need to get some pictures. I don't have any headshots. I don't have any uh, okay. kind of pictures at all. And I think that that would really um, boost my credibility. Now that I, I mean, I have like pictures that I've taken from events and, mm-hmm. you know, video and stuff like that. And that has dramatically increased um brand awareness but i think i now i need like some actual professional pictures because when i do different events and speak on panels they're like oh send us a headshot and i'm like send it in my linkedin profile picture you know so i was able to find a um a photographer so in the next two weeks i want to go ahead and book a session even i'm sure i'm not gonna be able to get them in two weeks but i want to be able to book a session so yeah that's mine what's yours okay my get my life is working on communication Mm. with my manager Mm. what does that mean let's make that a measurable and specific goal what are you going to do to work on your communication with that manager you know that's a terrible get my life because i don't know how i'm going to (laughs) like i don't know so then why isn't just to your get my life could be to figure out how to better communicate. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's a good one. So to come up with a solution um, or a plan as to how to improve communication with your manager. Right, because I just, 
I don't understand how our verbal communication is always one thing. And then her written, what she chooses to document is always different. Mm, So you need to, I don't, I don't know. Yes. And so I've repeatedly asked for this, you know, Mm -hmm. clarity on what she's wanting and Mm -hmm. it's not happening. So, or I either need to figure out how to make sure that we're on one page or develop strategies to uh, um, succinctly and professionally push back when she sends me stuff that is not, does not align with what she's verbally told me and her verbal feedback. Yeah. So it sounds like you figured out a way how to um, ask for her feedback, but what's happening is there's, you don't understand the disconnect between verbal and written feedback. Right. So I think figuring out that plan is a good way. Right, and if life. and if our listeners have some ideas, please send them, write them, oh, yeah. tweet them. Um, we ain't because got put them on because you you know how like when you're a kid and your like parents come home and they talk about their management or like you hear older people talk about like oh well you know that's how like that's how white managers are like mm-hmm. you're always just like you know you're always like oh but I don't know if that's really how it is blah 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 and mm-hmm. then you and then you get to the place where you're like I see what. Who's they? Like, I see what they you mean. You was right. <laughs> Trick, you, you guessed it. Get, you guessed it. You was right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's and, a really good get my life. I love that. Yeah. Now, okay. I, my second get my life should be to remember what my get my life is in between <laughs> episodes. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, so a quote. Let's talk about that quote. We're so far over our time and you know how that gives me anxiety. For no reason, girl. Um, so, our quote, <laughs> our quote of the day is from Auntie Maxine, and it is reclaiming my time. Mm. And Auntie. I really, I really identify with that mm-hmm. because you know what? It, just to give a little background, I'm sure everyone knows this, but she was in a hearing with somebody who didn't want to answer her questions, and she was mm-hmm. like, "You're on my time, and this is my time, and you're not gonna be wasting my time." So I. I'm reclaiming my time. Running me and my what's time What's important back. to note is that it's not that she's <laughs> saying, like, I ain't got time for you. But people only get an allotted amount of time to speak at these meetings. So, right? Am I wrong about mm-hmm. this? You only, okay. Yeah, you only get a certain amount of time each minute. So, what this man was doing was basically putting up a Running. facade that he was praising her and all the work that she's done. And she's so awesome. But really what he was doing was wasting the time so that her he time. wouldn't have to answer the question. Yeah wasting her time he was deliberately was doing that and she knew that that's why she was like reclaiming it i'm reclaiming I'm, I'm reclaiming run she me said, run my, me my minutes run me my minutes <laughs> run them <laughs> i'm gonna try that with my boss this week because i know for a fact that he's gonna interrupt me i actually mm. recorded our meeting um last week so that i could count the number of times that he interrupted me and i think oh my goodness it was every single time every time <gasps> that i open my mouth to make a comment i will talk and then once i get to a point where he wants to say something he'll just say it and then he'll talk for five minutes and then he'll ask the other people do you have any comments do you have any comments do you have any comments and then he'll get back to me which by that time shit either one the thing that i was gonna say you didn't already said or two it's irrelevant because you already decided on something in in two minutes that was based upon my comment anyway so i think i'm gonna have to have a conversation with him about that because i I don't think that he's doing it 
I don't even think he's doing it purposefully because he's not a mean guy, but he is an old doctor and he is the team lead and I am, I don't think it's personal. I don't think that it's about me because I see him interrupt other people too, but I'm going to pay more attention this time. I'm definitely going to record that meeting y'all. Um, Facebook live. Left field podcast. You gonna go Facebook Live the meeting? Yes, next Thursday. Yes, um, what is Thursday. I don't know. What I'm Thursday here for is. it. Um, but I'm definitely Facebook Living it, just so y'all can see too that this man be interrupting me, and I, I have proof. Love it. Um, I'm gonna do that. Facebook Live, Left Field Podcast. She Facebook said, Live. "I got the. Re- I'm gonna have the receipts. We're all, all receipts. gonna have the receipts. You, yes, we're all having these receipts. Cause I'm so tired of this man interrupting me." I don't think it's purposeful, but you've got to stop that, sir. You've got to stop. You've got to stop. Okay, so just like he's got to stop, we've got to stop because I'm sweating over here looking <laughs> at this clock. Like, I really hate these long episodes. It gives me such anxiety. So, thank you all for tuning in. Y'all know our social media handles by now at the Left Field Podcast um, on Instagram, Left Field Podcast on Facebook. Um, y'all hit us up. Y'all already do. Mm -hmm. So we'll see you next time. Holla. Ciao.